Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sisters and misters, folks of all sizes, colors, and creeds, welcome back to the Creative Journey Podcast. It's your boy, <laughs> Simeon Schlicker, alongside my man Frank. First episode as the official co-host, Frank. <laughs> what up? Awesome. A little it's exciting. It's a little bit of how I have to go over some housekeeping before we di- dive into it because we're doing something a little bit different today, guys. So stick with me. Uh, <laughs> we now have a Patreon because I want your money. Um, I'm just a greedy capitalist who doesn't have this. I don't think specifically you want their money. You just want some money. It doesn't have to be yours. You could get it from others. It could be third party money if you want it to be. Yeah, you can right? give me your employer's money. You know, I don't care. Sure. Faceless uh, corporate money, that's yeah, fine, too. Yeah. We're taking now... Counterfeit money. No. <laughs> Virtual uh, money. Okay, uh, just, we've had a we've had a long day. We both be, might be sipping beers during this conversation, too. Anyway, <laughs> patreon.com slash Podcast. There are a few stuff there. Uh, they're not finalized yet. One of them does give you a free one free hug, so I do suggest that one. That's a good one. Um, we're also going to be doing stuff... Um, I'm going to be pimping out Frank's musical knowledge here probably Wait, soon. Wait, hold on a second. It, hugs. Yeah. Is that like a controlled substance now? Hugs? Yeah. I mean, legally you can give away hugs, but... I mean, the government can't tell me what to do with my body, so... <laughs> Says you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not going to get go there. <laughs> that's, and that's a discussion for another podcast. Exactly. Not my podcast. Uh, not our podcast. Our podcast. Oh. I'm going to make that t-shirt for us. Not my podcast. <laughs> not my podcast. Hashtag not my podcast. <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you donate, there will be some stuff. It's awesome to help doing. If you like what we're doing here, we're just going to have some fun. We're really excited for what's coming up. We're building something. So if you subscribe to one of the tiers um between now and two weeks from now and a different tier comes out that you want to like upgrade to just dm me or something and we'll figure something out um i think you can upgrade or whatever i don't know we have to figure stuff out it's not perfect yet thank you if you donate you're supporting here we do want to grow this this is not just something i do for fun it is something i do for fun but it's also a passion of mine to help creatives grow um or even if you just enjoy the podcast help you learn a thing or two okay that was me stumbling through housekeeping i'm gonna take some beer here that was good that's good housekeeping today we're doing something a little bit different we don't have anybody to interview we got to know frank a little bit last week he i needed somebody besides myself to talk because i wanted to have more conversations like this where today we're going to talk about process uh that's the podcast about about (laughs) preparation there we go a big, big part of the process. A yeah. big, big part of the process. Uh, we're going to be specifically talking from the perspective of uh, Frank as a session musician and then him and I in different gigging roles. Obviously, myself from a worship music, praise and worship perspective. Um, I also will be giving my thoughts about music direction from a praise and worship perspective because that's a little bit different and then frank i think he's done almost everything under the sun so he'll be giving his role for more of a (laughs) quote-unquote professional opinion um and just kind of what we do 
what we expect, I think, a little bit of other people to do. Um, and hopefully you can, if you're a painter or a graphic designer or whatever, you can kind of translate this into your own your own thing. So we won't get too heavy and technical, but we also will get heavy and technical. So we have no idea what we're doing. These aren't <laughs> script. As you can tell, we processed, we, we uh, processed, we pre-planned, we prepared by thinking, and that's about it. So yeah, we prepared by getting up this morning. <laughs> yes. Uh, Frank, give me kind of the first thing you do for going into a session specifically when you get a call of like, hey, I need bass on this one track or this album or whatever. Um, walk me through what that was like in L.A. or even now on what your experiences were. Okay. Um, yeah, typically... There are a number of different types of sessions that I get called for. Um, some were like really well meditated upon, okay. like kind of slated. Sometimes I'd get pre-production audio, like I'd get a couple of songs, um, or I'd even get charts. Very rarely, though, would I ever get charts sent to me before a session or even really presented to me at a session. They did appear sometimes but the thing about a session for me was that those charts were like a sort of like um they were almost like a, a uh, audacious uh sentiment in that like yeah put a chart in front of us and that means like how fast can we modify it oh interesting do you know what i mean like yeah. part of the process for me in the studio is like feeling what a song really needs you don't really know what a song needs right. e even in its sections yeah until you ramp it up with the band and okay. see what it feels like um a lot of the times sessions for me were like full band or partial you know rhythm section type of stuff at okay. least like keys bass and drums or guitar bass and drums yeah. cutting at the same time um but as far as the preparatory measures for it one basic rule of thumb that I liked if I if I got pre-production files and I was able to sit on them even if it was only for like a day or two yeah I would develop a sort of idea of like what I might do for the verse what I might do for the chorus maybe something for the bridge or something like that yeah just little bits and bobs little sketches for each section and I would go with like my gut reaction as soon as I hear the guitar chords or as soon as I hear the, the skeletal structure of the song. Yeah. Like, wow, what would I do with this? And I'd immediately try to either record or jot down that gut reaction part. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, like, well, what if the producer doesn't like that part? So then I'd go back through all of my ideas and I would create a B-roll. Like okay. a whole secondary idea for almost all the parts. <laughs> and then if I had time, I'd do a third one. Okay. That way, the best thing I could have prepped was hooks and ideas and like little secondary melodies and yeah. things to support what I thought the vocal might do. Yeah. If one of them was too busy, obviously you can shed a couple of notes right. and make it fit better with a vocal as, as these things are coming together um but yeah that's musically i think 
something I could use my time well for was like, if I had a couple of demos, I I prep to those. Okay. But there's also a thing called demo-itis that's like, if you listen to a demo too much, yeah. you could get locked into expectant, like, you know, expectations of, of what that song is going to do in the studio. And then you've dug yourself a little bit of a hole. Right. Because unlearning the demo yeah. is sometimes really tough. Um, it depends on how your brain's wired up. Yeah. For me, particularly, um, I try to stay as pliable and flexible off of like the demo concept as I could, knowing that we would be deconstructing it as soon as we got there. I feel like that's probably good practice just to have in general is to be able to, because like I'm thinking through like translating this through my experience, right? A lot of the times you set a, a chart, you know, a tab and down in front of a, uh, of a worship musician, and they're going to play that exactly on how it is. Mm -hmm. And what that's their expectation. Yeah. And I feel like being able to be pliable is something that any musician, let alone creative, should be able to do to be able to throw this like idea into. Right. Well that's what I'll that's what I'll say is sort of the next thing for okay. me is like your your own headspace and okay. what you're bringing to the table yeah. for any given creative moment or whatever. Um whatever session you're going to i mean sometimes these are like and i know i'm just talking about studio sessions but, yeah but these principles apply for even rehearsals okay gigs and songwriting sessions and those types of things too but as far as recording yeah as far as mentally preparing for it i try to I mean, I'm not a super healthy person. <laughs> like I've I've gone to yoga once and it was it was embarrassingly awkward for me. Um I'm just not like a health nut. Like I hike and I and I walk a lot and I'm I'm not like out of shape, but I'm not like bending over backwards to try to be in any sort of other shape either. Yeah. Um and I say all that because the time that I think my body needs me most maybe to pay attention to it is like when it's going to go under stress and the studio is stress to me mm. but it's the best kind of um you know walking into a room where like there's a there's a there's a pretty high rate for the room yeah time is money you know and really what you want to get to is this like headspace where the ideas flow easily and quickly um, because you need to figure out the balance of what you're going to play that's going to support the song. And by song, I mean the vocal, like the delivery of that. Yeah. All of it kind of comes down a pyramid from that vocal delivery. And if you got a part that's too busy and you're going to be stepping all over that, somebody somebody's ears are going to hear that in this collective consciousness of the song and they're yeah. going to call you out on it and say like listen you can't just do that run right there in verse two because we're really still setting up the story of this song a bit here and we can't just have you going blah, 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 all over it, you know <laughs> um you know these like neo soul instagram chops and yeah. stuff like that nobody really pays you to do that stuff right, right. very often because there's a song underneath this day of work right that you know, really has to rise up and, and all of us 
play a role elevating that vocal delivery up to something. And so, yeah, you got to be able to think up something that's clever in the moment. Like there's this sort of fine line of balance there between like, you know, what's going to support that vocal? What's going to gel with the drummer? And I'm speaking as a bass player now. Right. But like what's going to gel with the drummer rhythmically and sort of not step all over his part either. Um, but you can't just play something so simple as just hitting every kick drum beat either. Right. Because then on the other side of the glass, you'll have a producer or an engineer going like, why do we get this guy in here? I could have played that. Right. So it's got to be something that's memorable. Right. That's what I shoot for. Yeah. I try to find something that, uh, you know, if you can hum a bass line. Right. Even as a passerby. Yeah. Somebody who's not really invested in the moment of the song itself, but like, or, but like, if, if my mom can hum a bass line that yeah. I wrote, that means I did a good day of work that day. Yeah. Um, so that comes from like, what are you eating? Uh, and I don't mean just the, you know, through your mouth i mean through your ears like what are you digesting um there but while i'm on the topic of eating like i i meant about my body like i do need a good night of sleep i do need to not be over caffeinated right i do need to drink a lot of water that day right um i do need to know that i can rely on my body to get through what could be a very long day right um because sometimes when you're in that in that who was i listening to i'm sorry i don't need to interrupt you uh the drummer you sent me yesterday not Steve Gadd, the other guy. I'm Vinny. Sorry. Vinny Cauyuta. Vinny Cauyuta. He was saying he was going over how when he was with the two bands, he would do like 12 to 6 with one band, drive across the valley, and do 6 to like 12 with another band. That's right. In the, in, That's right. In the space. Do you mind if I continue cutting you off and kind of go over from a perspective? That's, no, go for it. That's yeah. When you're dealing with, um, I'm thinking from an MD perspective now, from like my opinion, uh, like when I'm sitting down and setting out a list of songs, I have to look at who from like, now I'm dealing with volunteers, but even if I was looking at a perspective of like, let's just say I was doing a cover and I had, you know, five of my friends or whatever, I have to look at kind of what their strengths and weaknesses are in order to mold the layout of the song to fit them what their strengths at and what they can invest into will get them most invested into the music and i'm thinking are you talking about like choosing particular musical selections based on the roster of characters that you're going to be feeding them to like that are going to be playing more the arrangement of the song okay for what i select i have specifically selected songs from a because i have this person i can't pick this song or this person just isn't going to get i have done that but no creative person isn't going to do that i'm thinking from like a perspective that's kind of what i'm doing like if i'm i don't know anything about brushes i'm sorry i painted all day today i painted an old room um but like (laughs) i was thinking today like I was dealing with this old ratty brush that, you know, gets rinsed out and scrubbed with Dawn every time so it can get reused. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking how meticulous painters must be about their brushes. Like, sure. They're probably, I'm going to paint, I'm doing this one thing on this one, you know, on canvas, not paper. And so I'm going to use these specific brushes. Like mm-hmm. there's that aspect mm-hmm. of setting up yourself for success 
like you were saying, prepar- that, right. that preparation. Right. right. But that goes down to, for me, that goes down to this perspective of like, okay, when I'm leading a, a worship set, I know that I'm on drums. So mm-hmm. I know what mm-hmm. I can communicate, where my boundaries are, and they move backwards. I don't have the same level of freedom I have when I am leading as I do when I'm just playing. Because sure. I know sure. that I have to be the one communicating the ideas to the rest of the group. So I use this. Sorry, I am getting to a point. Um, no, you're doing great. Okay. Uh, this is this is something that Este touched on, too, Okay, in his podcast with yeah. you, where he talked about, like, separating himself from being a player to being a leader in the moment. Mm. You know, he had some really good words to say about that. I really enjoyed that. Uh, go on. So I was going to use, when I led last, we played a, a version of Be Thou My Vision, the old hymn. Um, Jeremy Riddle does a, a version of it that simplifies it to the extreme. Um, not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of those old hymns. And what ended up happening, and this is very interesting, maybe something you can touch on before I finish the whole story. So I'm going to tell you what happened and mm. then I want to kind of get your impression. See if you have a similar experience from the for-profit side, we'll call it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the more creative side, you know? I don't well, I don't want to call it that either. I I don't see a difference between the two. Okay. You know, if you're talking about like worship music versus secular music, all music is a gift. Right. To all of us. And the reflection of that gift is you making something with it. Mm. Put it all under the same category. Right. In a lot of ways. Because they're, I don't know, because some of my favorite music rides right on the edge between the two. Yeah. So I don't even want to categorize okay. one one versus the Perfect. other. One, one being a sort of holy vehicle and one sort of being a street-level selfish vehicle. Stuff in the middle of those things I think are so kind of beautiful because that's where humankind lives in that imperfection of it all for the sake of clarity but i understand for the sake of clarity let's go with volunteer and professional or amateur and professional okay i know i know it's not the same just for the sake no that's probably a better way to to to, to subcategorize um because there are you know there are some amateurs that should be professionals and some professionals that should be amateurs. absolutely yeah Um, absolutely so we took be down my vision and i get in and I have this idea in my head. I've tried to communicate it as best as I can over email of like, hey, this we're doing this specific version of Blessed Assurance, not Be Thou My Vision. Sorry, Blessed Assurance. Mm. And so we sit down and we start the play. And I forget to turn on the click. And they start it faster. There are more chords, hymn chords, organ chords mm-hmm. in the song. And we, I think we get through it, and I stop. And that's kind of, have you had those moments where, I guess I need to finish this before we continue on. This is actually, and I go, okay, guys, that was great, but that's not at all what I had in mind for this song. Yeah, that's part of the process, though. I mean, I like that you let them roll with it. Yeah. Um, because you never know what the byproduct of letting it roll could be. Right. Um, tons of times, yeah. We've started at the wrong tempo, wrong key, even, um, yeah. and came up with something interesting out of that. Something special can happen there. Um, I've even started 
yeah, like like looking at a number chart, I think I've even played something in the wrong key first, you know, and everybody sort of just jumps in on the wrong key that was not the sort of slated key for the day. Mm. And then we'll get to like a bridge section and be like, man, didn't that bridge sound really good in E flat? Oh, interesting. But we're supposed to be playing this in something else. And we've ended up like modulating to make it E flat then, you know? Like take the original key, yeah. record the song into that, and then invent a way to play the bridge in a different key um, because it just sounded sort of sweeter. These little happy accidents of exploration are what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and keeping your ears open to that stuff and throwing the rule book out is the most most important part of the creative process to me. Um. People love rules. They love the sort of nuts and yeah. bolts of the mathematics yeah. of music. And I've taken it upon myself to destroy as much of that as I can. Um, I I got into like the real like sort of diligent study of theory and everything later in life. And um, I, I do love it. I do love, um, you know, figuring out the, the, the secret mysteries of how... <laughs> Of how these tones kind of triangulate right. around each other and how cadences work. And I'm not going to pretend I know anything right. about it, though. Yeah. Um, because I feel like I learn just as much from uh, who's that new kid that's like everybody's going ape over, uh, like Jacob Collier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I learn just as much from him as I do from Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Right. You know? And I live somewhere in between. Right. Of like I love the mess of right. music. I love really messy and sort of agitated music. I love when it's spun out of control and nobody knows what's going on. It just sounds like a racket. Right. I love that stuff. And yet I do love the really well educated and really polished up and photoshopped kind of hot production of today too. Right. But I love both so evenly and equally that I I always kind of want to rest in between the two of what I consider um you know diligent and 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 well crafted and then just like spontaneous and slapdash. Yeah. I love both. Um so I say that because that's part of the exploration of what a song needs, you know. Sometimes somebody's come to me with something kind of like wandering and slow and melancholy and it's turned into like something that's like furious and punk rock by the end of the day right um i try to listen to the words a lot and okay i'll go back to what i would consider part of the process yeah. we could break this down honestly sure. we could break this down into a couple of different things you, you briefly, briefly touched about gear which is to say paintbrushes you yeah. know we'll come back to that in a second but one of my other things that i do early on in the process of a day of preparation for the studio, which yeah. is, I think, what you're ultimately asking about, um, is, like, I'll pull the songwriter aside. Yeah. If I'm working with a primary songwriter, yeah. often I have not... Often I'll go into a session and have not met them before. Okay. Um, so I'll walk into a studio and get to know everybody, and I might set up a little bit and poke around and... If there are familiar faces nearby, I'll catch up with them for a while and usually make a coffee or something like that. Mm. But I'll try to get a couple of minutes with the songwriter one-to-one. -one. And I'll say, 
hey, I'm just looking for a little bit of backstory on this batch of material. What were you going through when you wrote this stuff? What are these tough songs for you to sing emotionally? Or are these celebratory songs? What kind of heart space, head space were you in when you crafted these? Were they done over a long period of time? And these are like a, a long-standing collection that you've been waiting to record. Or are these all within the last six months? Yeah. I want to know that kind of stuff so that I can sort of grab a palette. I'm, now I'm going to analogize to your brush sure. concept. It's like that's my way of grabbing my wooden palette in my left hand and choosing the colors to put on it am mm. i choosing blues and grays and sort of cold weather tones to paint on the base this sort of like heaviness that this person might have been going through when yeah. they wrote this material or am i picking like bright oranges and like bright sunshiny yellows and reds to paint a warm picture of like the celebration of something great that happened to them you know are these about a newborn you know are, or are they about someone they lost right. you know yeah there are different reasons to write songs and i try to tap into that headspace i know the bass has no lyrics to it you yeah. know and i'm not going to be necessarily singing right with them but i take every advantage i can to sing with the primary writer and what they were going through and by singing i just mean like can i play on this bass on this four-stringed idiotic wooden lumpy instrument right something beautiful that that works with what they're trying to 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 um to convey so that's a big part of the process for me I, it's a little bit weird because i've certainly been side-eyed by some people even producers before for having discussions like that in the studio be like kind of like what are you getting so heavy about all of a sudden you right. know we haven't even played a note yet right and you're already getting philosophical about this this stuff he's like that's my job as a producer to direct you guys that way and i'm like well it is and it isn't you know i'm just kind of i try to be sensitive to that stuff because isn't that what we are as artists we're supposed to be sensitive we are the ones right that are meant to be more sensitive than the Average bears, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Well, the, it kind of goes, what you said is, it kind of goes into what I'm thinking, like, even from, like, a business perspective, as I interview for jobs, especially customer service focused or customers focused jobs, mm -hmm. a big way of, like, a big question that I get in a lot of, in a lot of these interviews are, you know, what's your approach to customer service? Mm -hmm. And number one for me always is setting expectation. Uh, and it goes the same if you're working for a team or even like yourself. We'll go off of the team mentality or that producer mentality that we're on right now is what you're doing. I'm translating a little bit here into Simeon and then speaking it out <laughs> is. Is your your meeting with the songwriter and you're setting an expectation of the colors that you're going to use. But if you go in, lay down the first track, the producer comes and gives you notes you're already three steps ahead. So when the producer comes in, you're not having to take four steps to get to step number four. You only having to take one step to get to step number four. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's the same sort of thing. Like I'm always like, I always set expectation. You know, when I worked in IT and I was on the help desk, it was always, okay, so you're having this problem, confirming the problem that you have. 
if I'm, you know, setting expectation, I'm sending a playlist of the arrangements of, hey, we're going to do these versions that we're going to start with. We may change it. Here's the chord charts. Here's the versions. This is the setting expectations for you to come to practice prepared. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the same can be said from the more we are supposed to have that that feeling of like as creatives, what I'm expecting, you know, we're all creative. Yes. Some of us are more beautiful than others at doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you're bringing other people along in that, so let me get back to kind of my administrative role. When you're bringing other people along in that, you have to remember that other people are coming along with you. So you have to set expectation in order for them to keep up with you of like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Or, you know, you said it great. This is how I was. This is the mood that I was writing the song in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now I know I need to use these colors in my palette, mm-hmm. whether or not the person above me, producer, boss, you know, manager whatever the case is says we're going to do something different that's great but now i have context and more context is always better than less context in my opinion yeah and yet sometimes i feel like our backgrounds each of us and what we bring through the doorway to these things is like that's our that that's a color yeah. To itself. 100%, you know? Right. Um, and so when you throw the word expectation in there, I almost want to substitute it with something else, but I'm not exactly sure what that word would be. Because as far as the word expectation, my expectation is only excellence, I guess. Um, but the way to get there, I try to keep open. I try to keep I try to keep my mind, my creative mind open to any way that we can get there it doesn't have to be the yellow brick road right we can take detours through the poppy field if need be right um <laughs> great very nicely done with the wrapping up that analogy cleanly. Um, yeah it's like as long as we get to this to the to that destination of excellence you know um you can describe it any way you want because excellence to me is going to be different than excellence to somebody yeah. else but if we all have that sort of like-minded headspace that we're going to get there together, there are all sorts of avenues by which we can get there. Think of it like um, using – do people still use Waze on their phone? Yes. Like, you know, It's if, owned by Google, so yes. Okay, so it would be like using Waze against somebody who already knows the town really well. Yes, you might get a leg up from regular Google map directions. Right. But you're – gonna have maybe even any a greater advantage being it like that's your turf that's your home turf right right. so but we're all gonna end up at the same thing at the same direction so somebody's gonna take google maps and somebody's gonna take ways and they might be synonymous at this point but you know i'm trying to think of like no that's a good a decent analogy of how to get there and then and then the other thing that's crazy is that like you get somebody creative enough they might swim there instead they might just skip the whole city and swim around the harbor yeah. to get to that destination. But the fact is, we're all going to get there. It's like, think about it as like, um, what's that flick? My little brother made me watch this flick. It was like, it's not around the world in 80 days. It was like something that these magnificent men and their flying machines or something okay. like that. I don't know what a, it's one, Or like Amazing Race or something right. like that. And they all have these different 
vehicles that so somebody's going to swim it somebody's going to take a hot air balloon somebody's you know and yeah. we're all going to get to these different places because we all have different instruments to express ourselves with right and you know to having expectation is weird a little bit because if you have expectation of like what the chorus is going to sound like i guarantee you it's different for the drummer guarantee you it's different for the the you know the fellow playing accordion in the corner right we're all gonna have these different expectations of it but if we all just put that aside keep your ears open to what's going on around you listening to each other is where expectation dissolves into this like fizzy little drink and that's the best bit to me is like me being surprised and inspired by a little guitar hook that happens spontaneously yeah bearing in mind that when i go to a session 80 percent of the sessions that i've done in my life i don't know any of the material and it's like somebody standing in a room strumming guitar chords at me and saying i'm gonna teach you this song right now and then we're gonna record it the job is to play something that supports what they're singing mm-hmm. and the chords that they're playing. And here's the tough part. This is the part that a lot of people miss. Is it also has to sound believable. So I need to play the song in a way that makes it sound like I've played it a hundred times before, uh, even though yeah. it's my first crack at it. Um, I remember wrapping up a session one day um, I was up in the valley, like up in Van Nuys. And I was working with this guy, Rami Jaffe, uh, from the Foo Fighters. Um, he's a keyboard player, and he's fantastic. He used to hire me for a lot of this cool songwriter stuff. He'd meet people when he's traveling, and he'd take them under his wing, and he'd invite them to L.A. and say, hey, come use my studio, and I'll build you a team. Nice. And he would get to know them as songwriters a little bit, and then he'd sort of pick teams. So this was like me and uh, Dave Cruzen and a girl named Jesse Green was playing violin, and um, Jason Roberts. Um, Jason plays for Nora Jones and many, many others. Um, and Jesse's like this really sensitive uh, fiddle player. She's great. She lives in Venice, and you should look her up. She's she's on a lot of great stuff, um, Wilco and Foo Fighters stuff and everything. Um, and so, yeah, we were doing this session, and everything just went so well. <laughs> we were just fueled up. We probably barreled through like eight songs that we had never ever heard before in like a day. Yeah. Um, and I'm packing up because I see symbols coming off of stands and stuff. So I start wrapping up cables. I'm like, okay, we're going to either continue this tomorrow or we'll do overdubs tomorrow. That was basic tracking for most of what we wanted to get done. Right. And the songwriter comes out and he goes, hey, 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 I'm sorry, Frank. He's like, there's another song that we already have drums for, but there's no bass on it. Would you mind like taking a stab at it real quick? Yeah. And I was like, my ride's going to be here in like 15 minutes from Hollywood. Yeah. You know, in, in, in traffic, maybe 20, 25 minutes. But at this point it's like midnight. Right. So it's not going to take that long. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to like, uh, sure. Whatever. So I plug in real quick and he lays this song at me and I listen to it. I jot down a couple of notes um then i listen to the bridge again just to make sure i have it i jot down a couple more notes there and then i just wailed on it 
like wailed on it in like this sort of fast and furious sort of way. It was a song I played with a pick. It was a little sloppy. I was going for this sort of rock and roll like replacements kind of vibe yeah. to it. And yeah, I guess the end of that story really is that by the time my ride got there, I was already packed up and like coiled cables and everything's over my shoulder, ready to go. I was out the door. It took one shot to do it. But the whole point really is like, does it sound believable? Do, do I sound nervous? Did do that I sound one sound skittish? believable? It was awesome. Okay. It ended up being like my favorite track. <laughs> I was session. You had me on the edge of my seat, Frank. I'm like. <laughs> yeah. It ended up being like my favorite track on the session because it was a, it was a pretty straight ahead tune with a couple of little tricks in it. But. Sure. I think even a few of those like what were meant to be sort of tricks and little stabs and stuff. I might have even barreled through them like steamrolled them a little right. bit. But that's part of the vibe of rock and roll. Right. When when you get into that headspace of like you want to play a little bit sloppy, a little bit like spontaneous, a little crazy, that extra little mustard on it, you yeah. know? And um, this was one of those memorable moments to me where I learned something from it, where I was like, if you're bold about that first take, your fingers will just guide you there. Yeah. Like, you just go on instinct. You know, and there's something sometimes, and this is something I'll say for for your teams especially. Yeah. I hear people second guessing themselves a lot. Mm. I hear people nervously playing and and trying to work around what they're aiming at expectation and perfection. If you get your head too caught up in expectation, you'll start second guessing yourself as a player. Sometimes you just need to sort of like let it roll. And yeah. just go with your gut and go with what's in you, you know? Yeah. Like, you're, it, this expectant nature of, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to birth this thing. And I don't want anything to sort of, like, stand in my way. Nerves will. Yeah. You know, ego will. Expectation will there's sometimes. A, there's, an ex- there's an expectation that I have that I haven't vocalized. And you're bringing up a very good point that it's, like, as soon as a downbeat happens, everything gets turned off. That's kind of, it's like... What do you mean by that? Everything gets turned it's off. It's just, you're playing now. Oh, you mean the world gets turned off. Like, no, no, no. Like, you're playing now, so turn the track off that you're listening to in your ear. Listen to the song. Listen to what other people are playing around you. I can't tell you how many times I've been playing drums, and I go to do a part that's on the track. No one else goes there. And I'm like, ah. I have to fiddle to go back, because I wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the track in my head. I wasn't listening to the players. Mm-hmm. I had a different expectation. Mm-hmm. So what you're teaching me, and I use that, like, I'm not saying this. Guys, I'm literally learning this right now. <laughs> is when the downbeat happens, when the song starts, when the first stroke goes on the canvas or the paper or first line of code goes down, your first customer comes in, all bets are off. What is the saying? Uh, the It's something to the effect of every plan is good, every military plan is good until the first bullet is fired. Mm. something like something mm-hmm. along the lines right. of we don't we don't know what's gonna happen like right and right. that should that should be your expectation your expectation should be okay we've all had the same information to prepare specifically when we've come in mm-hmm. well even mm-hmm. in your situation we've all had the same information to prepare now we're gonna play it mm-hmm. listen to each other yeah because that's how we're yeah. gonna do it that's what that's where music 
really thrives is just listening to each other without a whole lot of expectation. Um, though you did say something that I do want I don't want you to be discouraged from. Yeah. And that's that you said you had a prepared fill, for example, and you went to land it and nobody else went there with you. You still got to hit that with confidence because sometimes they'll be like, we have to do this take again because we all heard Simeon's fill and we all need to get there with him. Yeah. So if you play it with exemplary confidence, right? knowing that you've prepared it, knowing that you know where it goes, knowing that it should be a feature of the song itself, it serves a good purpose. You have that kind of confidence in you, play it accordingly. And then everybody else will be like, we got to land that with him. Because that's one of the only rewinds for me is like, if I hear somebody do something great in the moment that inspires everybody around him, it's like, yeah, yeah, we got to do another take because of that, Phil. Yeah. You know, we got to get, we got to get there with him. There's a, this is going to be a long story to say a simple thing. Uh, there, one of my favorite creators on YouTube, his name's Harry Myrie. He's a drummer, Nashville guy. Mm-hmm mostly touring he hasn't released anything recently he does some sessions but he's mostly touring for country acts i think i don't even know who he's with right now um and uh he says he does a video to like life as a as a uh touring musician and life as a studio Mm -hmm. like these example in the nashville settings for like demos he's a demo guy mostly what he gets calls for so he says, like, the first time through a song, if they have a demo, if there is a chart, right? Um, first time through a song, anything that he messes up, he makes a mental note of it. We all do that, don't right. we? I mean, no, that's what I'm saying yeah. is like, there's expectation of like, I'm thinking of that because, like, he doesn't stop, he doesn't like raise his hand and be like, we got to gotcha. do that again. Right. Just plug away at it. He's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to hit this fill, mess that up. I'm going to want to retake that. Sure. Because that sure. wasn't right. You know? Yep. Yep. So let's go do that. Like it's true because the very first thing you do on the next take yeah. is focus in on where that fits. What you've got in your head just has to come through your hands and you'll get that part that you're thinking needs to land yeah i mean it's like a gig you clam at a gig i I say clam when i say clam i mean mistake yeah like when you make any sort of error at a gig the first thing you do before you have breakfast the next morning is fix that yeah you know yeah i i often will equate like uh in exponents you know a hundred hours of personal practice at home is worth 10 hours of rehearsal with a group because if you have other people playing against you, yeah, you'll take it more seriously. Yeah. You'll also know that your part does or doesn't work a lot better in a rehearsal than you would at home. For sure. But a gig, it's like, so I guess all the exponents would be like 100 hours of personal practice is worth 10 hours of rehearsal, which is also worth one hour of gigging. Yeah. Because if you do it in front of an audience... Before you even go to bed that night, you will fix that thing that you messed up on stage. Right. Because it's not just the other musicians anticipating right. your every move, but there's a crowd too. Right. And you take the crowd out of the lock that they did have on the message of that piece of material. Yeah. You distract them enough, you have, yeah, you've dropped the ball there yeah. and you want to fix that. 
Um, the same holds true for recording too. You're right. I, I love that you said that that he that he will just barrel through the take anyhow, because something else great could happen there. Right. He could have now that he's made his mistake already knows that that's not the take. Right now, sure. Granted, we can comp and we can edit and all for that. Sure, for sure. But if you're trying to get a whole take out of a player, once they've made that mistake, then it's like they can be loose. They can just have a good time with it and be inspired to take chances and and maybe come up with an ending that nobody expected or a bridge yeah. that nobody expected. Right. Some alternate take of right. that. Once that error has been made already, you know you're going to do another take anyhow. Yeah. So you know you're going to be comping that section anyway. Right. Um, what was I going to say? Feeling, uh, oh, there was another story that I have that there was a, a bass player, uh, another one of the YouTubers, Red Scholl. He was talking on one of his many podcasts that he does, or maybe it was a video. I don't know. But he said, like, he played with this bass player one time, a fill-in, where they had all the music. It was touring. It was a, like a, a short tour, you know, a Southern or southern Road, you know, five-city tour or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he gets to rehearsal. They had gotten audio tracks, charts, the whole – like uh, how the song's laid out. I forget what that – I can't believe I'm a music director. I forget what that's called. Um and <laughs> like what ha like verse one verse two chorus verse three you know that sort of thing yeah um they had all of that laid out emailed to them like two months in advance a month in advance you know weeks in advance okay, enough yeah. time that you can get ex extremely familiar with the, the form of the it all. dude shows yeah. up to the rehearsal and he goes oh yeah can you play through that once uh i don't i don't i don't remember what it was and he did that with every single song in the set and ended up that's okay in my book that's okay i know time's money i know people are on a schedule blah 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 blah, blah. i like, would hate that I, i've been inspired by a lot of people in my life some of the most inspiring musicians i've ever worked with are like that it's that's their attitude is they come ill-prepared but they back it up with this incredible creativity sometimes. I don't know if that was okay. the scenario. No, that there. was not the scenario there. But but a lot of that's like this guy uh, messed up the bed. We'll say that family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> like man, there have been people that I I've like, you know, had great anticipation of working with and thought, "Man, they're going to come to this session with like scientific level knowledge of the form and chart of this song so i had better stay up all night wailing on this and be totally prepared yeah i get there and they're like so you gonna teach us this thing or how do we how do we start today and i'll be like wait what like i went to bed at five this morning because i was scribbling down charts Talk about in anticipation of, yeah. of this. Yeah. Because I was going to work with so and so, you know, somebody I was fired up to work with, you yeah. know. And then they come in and they start like just dabbing at the song, just like sort of like just poking around at it, thinking like, oh, oh, okay. I, I think I understand what the verse is doing now. You'd be like, what? I understood what the verse was doing 10 minutes after I got that email last <laughs> night, you know, like or whatever. But. That's just the way. Um, and, and again, 
you got to cleanse your head of all that stuff. Like, again, it's expectation, yeah. you know, um, where you're like, man, I thought we were going to wail through this. I thought we'd get this first take Jake type of situation, yeah. you know, and be like, bam, and it's done. And like, let's go get fried rice, you know? <laughs> no, it's like sometimes the, the heaviest the heaviest cats I've worked with sometimes come in like with no prep at all. And learning some of that helped me to lessen that Boy Scout mentality of like being over-prepared for everything too. And as I've gotten older, I started to just sort of like ride back a little bit on that and like not prep quite as much and like stay a little looser, you know? But it's it's those sessions that you have no prep preparation for to help you get better at that yeah you know so you have to sort of like almost invent these scenarios for yourself oh, for sure even if they're not like a pay situation um well that's that's the but listening is all of it yeah you know you're gonna get nowhere if nobody's listening to each other everybody's shouting over each other the whole time and right. trying to like put their part down on down on the recording right man you're just gonna be like three ring circus juggling all day so one thing that I just want to put as an asterisk that he Frank is not saying do not practice and do not be prepared. No, practice all I, the time. Yeah. I guarantee you, those cats came in and knew exactly what they were doing on their instrument. Well, I guess my point is, kick some of them have been prepping for thirty years. Right? Yeah, that's you know? what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> my my favorite was I, I I watched an interview or I listened to an interview with Steve Gadd today. Um, Which ones on on Yeah, on, I on what Dom's called. podcast. Yeah, I forget what His, it. So I was just going to quote one of those, but go ahead. You tell me about what you heard. Well, but but he was, what he said is, like, when he was still developing, like, probably 10, 15 years. This is probably one of the greatest drummers. I'm sure I've heard most of his stuff. Some of his stuff, not most of You've, it. Yeah. Some of his stuff. And I'm sure you have, too. This guy's on a ton of stuff. And it was a great. It was on whatever that got interview guy. I forget. The Sessions. Yeah, sessions panel, yeah. 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 Um, Dom Famularo, I think. Yeah. He's, 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 said, a, he's he an said, ambassador to the drum world. He's great. One of the toughest things that I time that I had learning was basically how to let loose mm-hmm. and how to discover mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. I I actually wrote down a lot of it, so I'm gonna I'll read you. I think this is the part you're talking about. Because Frank comes prepared, unlike somebody. Well, no, no, it's, it's that I write these quotes down all the time because this is again, this is how I learn. You know, mm-hmm. I get my education from other people's interviews. Yeah, same. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of access to Steve Gadd. Um, so when I hear him talk. I listen. Right. You know? Um, But yeah, Dom had asked him some kind of question about being like inside the music where everybody is like at one place at the same time. You know, I call it the blue orb. Okay. Which is basically like we all have our sort of little protective spaces on stage. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have to have the sensibility whether or not you're supposed to enter somebody's field or not. Yeah. You know, their little zone. Yeah. But metaphorically speaking, those orbs can all sort of stack up at the same time. And like where like, you know, bass world and, and drum world and guitar world can all sort of overlap. One mega like power ranger. Superimposed. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like a Voltron or a yeah. Power Rangers type yeah. of situation where it all just becomes one. Yeah. The blue orb. Yeah. Is what I've I've I like come to better. know it yeah. as, you know. Um great band name by the way. So Dom was asking about about that and what's sort of the secret for how to get there how to get there faster or more effectively you know and steve's response was it's not always that way it's you know that's something that you strive for but some situations get there and others don't 
Um, there are a lot of variables too. You're dealing with different rooms that you're playing and sometimes a different instrument that you're playing. So you just try. Um, the one thing that's consistent is how hard you work to make it happen. Mm. That's the consistency. And I think that's what I'm trying to say about expectation. If your expectation is just that, don't let any of the avenues or back alleys like trip you up. Right. You know, just get there. Right. You know, um, take a few wrong turns if you need to. And that's what Steve goes on to say here. Um, you always do that. You always work hard to make it happen. But there are no guarantees because there are too many things that can get in the way. Um, but when you start surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded in terms of how they approach playing, that's a big part of it. And then when you've got that kind of core up there, the core of musicians who all think that way, yeah, um, there's less... He says, uh, when things go wrong, they don't bother you as much. And... He says, if there's nine things right yeah. and one thing wrong, yeah. he said for a lot of years, he would try to concentrate on what that wrong thing was and fix it. He goes, but he has in his you know, wiser years now yeah. uh, accepted that it's better really, um, it's a better way to do it is to, is to just concentrate on what's right. And then the thing that's wrong, you know, like the next time it won't be wrong. It just sometimes those things can sort of fix themselves right. if you have the right attitude yeah. towards the moment. Yeah. Don't let the one thing destroy the nine that are going well. You know, don't let that one error or one imperfection, one bad monitor mix. Monitor mix is usually it. Yeah. That's like one of the main culprits. Oh, I hate it when people complain about their monitor mix. I'm just like, know your instrument. Pl I'm sorry, I'm complaining. Know your instrument. Just play, my dude. Like, right. <laughs> just sing. But if you're not inspired by what you're hearing, right. there's a hurdle. Right. right. So you have to learn to work around that hurdle. Right. Um, there are also a lot of other things, too. You could have a musician on stage having a temper tantrum about something. You sometimes will, will be affected by that regardless of what your attitude is. But if you can work around that one, you're 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 really doing your part yeah to get to your at least your own personal blue orb um if somebody else is wigging out about something else right so yeah lots of hurdles a lot of hurdles but it's just a matter of like getting past that stuff and and it, it really ends up being like an attitude thing more than more than knowing the chart i mean knowing the chart's great so that you can look ahead and know where you're headed and know what you're doing reading ahead of things is awesome um, but there's also something to be said for like just being in the moment, which is why I often will write charts for almost every single gig I play. Mm. And then right before the gig, I will tear them up. Like I'll practice with them. I'll get to know them. I'll sort of try to visualize them in my head. I'll make these little hieroglyphic weird little notes for yep. me. And then there have been numerous times where I'm just like, okay, I know I'll I'll sound like I'm reading tonight if I don't destroy these things right now. Yeah. So I'll just tear them up and throw them in a bin before I go on stage, which is a gutsy move. Yeah. But you do it. And then if you play a couple clams here and there, who cares? At least you didn't sound like you were reading all night. Right. <laughs> or repetition legitimizes. You know, you can't say you weren't in the moment. You're definitely in the moment then because you got to listen to everybody. To kind of – there's an expectation. That's not, that's not the word I was looking for. There's a 
sometimes my mouth gets in front of my brain (laughs) (laughs) happens to all of us i think um to kind of round it out well i feel like sorry trying to figure out how to say this have you ever had the problem where you didn't know when to stop working tweaking taking another track there is that there is all the time yeah there is that there is that part of preparation where now you've you've prepared or whatever there's this actually kind of what you said i've prepared to the point where it's going to sound like i'm still preparing if i don't rip up this sheet perfect actually i need to rip it up and i just need to play it i need to listen i need to Mm -hmm. clam a Mm -hmm. few notes it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. but what is what have you learned in your experience about when to stop about when to stop typically when when somebody says that you know what's what's the threshold for when to stop this is like overdub scenario stuff yeah this is like basic tracking's done right you've got at least a scratch vocal if not like a keep a keeper vocal or even like a comped and polished vocal you know whatever level that the song's at there's a sort of artistic sensibility that states like we'll all kind of know yeah when it's done but i defer to a, to a producer on that okay because that's what i try to pay a lot of respect to the producer of a session because i believe almost all sessions should have one yeah somebody who is going to be the uh, the referee of all these ideas yeah and i kind of will say I got a lot more I would want to do with this song. And when a producer looks at me and says, no, nah, I think we're getting real close to it being done. I got to go with that because that's their gig. They're the, they're the one policing this thing. Yeah. Um, and I have to trust them. But yeah, we can obsess and obsess and obsess over these things. And a lot of people do. Now that we're into this world of perfecting and polishing and Photoshopping music, you know, gridding things and time aligning and tuning and all that this hyper precision by which we have expectation of modern music um it has sucked the life out of so much yeah it there's not even really like all that much fun to be had when you think of music with that type of expectation yeah obsessing over that stuff is like it's yeah it can be maddening um it's it's i have it from the perspective of there's that final say but what happens when you're not the final say my experience and i say this as the producer of two podcasts this one and my brother's sports podcast fourth and one podcast available everywhere anchor dot anchor.fm slash fourth and one <laughs> go sports um, <laughs> go sports for the non-sports of you minded sports. uh i gotta plug his like I'm lucky that he's the type of dude who's just like, okay, you recorded. I'm done. That's rad. Like, whatever, just go post it. Like, right. I have right. total, like, I named that we released podcast this morning. It always goes out Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If there's three mm-hmm. parts, we release them in parts. I named it. I didn't check with him. If I'm, if I'm blanking on names, I'll go, hey, what do you want to name this podcast? Mm-hmm. If not, it's. Okay, like I named it completely. Untitled Forty Seven. You know, yeah. to this this was like don't 
don't ask Simeon about Zach Wilson. You know, <laughs> I tried or something like that. I'm always <laughs> voicing it like he would be, but it's like I specifically or like uh, this is your brother we're talking about, right? Yeah, this is my brother. See, you got to learn from that. Yeah, and you have it sounds like. I, yeah, I exactly. learn from cats like that. Yeah. I do. Like, I learned there's a particular there's a there's a, a very particular guttural sound that I make after a take, if it was a good take, mm. and I try to pay attention to. Because sometimes I don't hear it with headphones on and all that. Yeah. But if I'm in the room with the drummer yeah. and there are, like, room mics and overheads and stuff, I'm conscious of trying to be pretty quiet. But there are a couple of takes that I've done in the past where at the end of a take you can hear me go like this. <laughs> and if I make that sound, that means nothing needs to be done to that take. Interesting. I got that one. Yeah. I got all the parts and fixtures yeah. that I meant to land landed. Yeah. Um, and you'll hear it sometimes in drum overheads and right. stuff like that. Just it's just like the and it varies from like me going like uh like that right know, to being like uh yeah you know in in different you know if it's a if it's a mellow tune and I just kind of hit it and it felt right and it felt sincere yeah that, that's the gauge though yeah it's really I'm talking about sincerity it's like uh you know and then if it's like a a a, a dance kind of track or something yeah. like that it could be a little bit more. You know, emphatically, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, but the point is, I start, I started to pay attention to that, and just like your brother, kind of having this feeling like that was it. Yeah, I'm done. You know, go post it, Simeon. Like I don't care. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, dude. Oh man, I can think of. Okay, there was a tape session I did, like, 2018. Yeah. I think like the fall of 2018. Um. I think it's the last tape session I've done. Um, surprisingly, I still do quite a few of them. And by tape, I mean like magnetic tape, like okay. recording 24 tracks on a reel-to-reel machine. Okay. You know? um, we did this at a place called New Monkey Studios. It's Elliot Smith's old studio. They have like one of the 13 Trident A-ranges there. Okay. Great console, okay. great tape machines. Um, but it was all like vintage gear, you yeah. know? And there was this one where I played this fill. I think I, I started it on like the end of two or something oh, interesting. instead of like on the beat on the downbeat like where i thought i was gonna play this fill yeah. i had the fill in my head and i was like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this in there somewhere but i totally played it in the wrong spot i went back into the control room and we were listening to like the the, the rough take of of this song i think we had done two or maybe even three takes on the same reel of tape yeah so we're listening to take one and everybody's bopping their heads and i'm like Oh man, this this feels like it could be the take. Actually, yeah. this, this take one is really cool, and we're listening to it. And then we get to like this outro, this this part of the song that really opens up and it has like full throttle, sort of like the band is really kind of thumping. Yeah. And then there's I'm I know where the fill is. I'm waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. Here comes my fill that I played awful. You know. I listen to it, and I start laughing my head off in the control room, and everybody looks at me and they're like. What? And I was like, well, we're going to go back. I'll punch that. And they're like, punch what? What are you talking about? And I was like, that fill that I played, it was ridiculous. It sounded like Willy Wonka nonsense, you know? <laughs> and they're like, we didn't hear it. Let me go back. And then they rewound the tape. And I was like, right here, this fill right here. I start on like the end of two. And they're like, dude, that's hot. Like, that sounds rad. But because my mind had written it. Right. Actually, in that Steve Gadd thing, he talks about it too. He's like, I think it's his response to like us 
trying to develop all these really unique and expressive chops. We're all trying to figure out these new, unique ways to yeah. play the instrument. Yeah. Be the next big whatever, you right. know? Steve had such a great suggestion in that. He goes, he was demonstrating a pattern on his legs, a really simple 4-4 pattern like yeah. that. And then he goes, now watch this. He goes, if I start the pattern on two now, it's a whole different beat. Yeah. I remember it's, hearing that. I didn't, like, oh, yeah, I didn't, you're right, dude. I didn't technically, on a technical level, he didn't teach his body to do anything new. Yeah. He just landed it somewhere else. Yeah. So these are the kind of things that, like, you know, you got to keep your ears away from expectation sometimes because in that moment, I totally had an expectation for yeah. what that fill was going to be. Yeah. And, man, it ended up being, like, another favorite moment for right. me. was like, whoa, this is just pretty weird. To sum it up in two phrases just post it just send it is the phrase that most people do it that's what Micaiah was saying that's what well, that's what i'm saying Word. like the go back to season one and listen most of them don't have intros mm -hmm. i specifically did that a as a creative and b as a practice like i don't want to record an intro like i don't have any music like I don't fade in anything yet. Mm -hmm. I would love that, but beside the point, I can work like, on something for you. Yeah, like it's just one of those things. It's just like big fight song. Just sent, full send. There's not gonna be a this is you know b mm -hmm. the big time. You mm -hmm. know this is fourth and one, as Micaiah says. You know it's just like post it. Make mm -hmm. sure it sounds okay. Like I edit it so it sounds okay, and then post it. You're gonna get better as you do each one, even if you have training. Like you can come out of a sorry rant you can come out of a four-year you can come out of a four-year degree and you're still not going to have anything and still you until you start learning from the real world yeah you gotta hit the streets a little bit you gotta hit the streets mm -hmm. you gotta post it and if you just mm -hmm. stick around learning and learning and revamping and you never post anything you never release music you never right. post your art on instagram you never do that sort of thing right. one of my favorite pieces of art is, co is a colored pencil piece of art that somebody did clearly in a prayer room somewhere mm -hmm. i think and i own it i love it colored pencil mm -hmm. ain't nothing wrong with that i went to the i went to the philadelphia art museum i'm sorry there was no colored pencil in there unless there was like a cartoon on the wall or something you know like mm -hmm. colored pencil guys just this post is why it. send it full send this is why i seek out artists that are like that live in the world of imperfection too and i need I try to digest just as much of their material as I do something really perfect. Right. You know, the like Daniel Johnston. I love um, these these sort of like savants in a way. You know, Wesley Willis is one of my favorites. That I just I just love it. Um, I listen to a band called Ween. Um, they're from New Hope, Pennsylvania. They've been around a long time. These guys just had the guts to. Um, grab a microphone and a guitar and like a boom box with their backing tracks on it and they used to just crane like a mic down to the boom box mm -hmm. speaker and mic it for gigs they used to go play for very stoned dutch people and stuff <laughs> like back in the 90s and they're just inventive they're just it's it's just a free-for-all um i love zappa but zappa is usually more scripted i guess but there's a bit of both there's a lot of improv on that stuff dude there's so there's a chart you know but then there's a lot of just like playing it what you're feeling um i love watching like the miles davis like miles davis isle of white concert from 1971 where they played for like a rock audience 
you know, they're playing like a rock festival with like the Who and yeah. stuff. And they're going out to play jazz to a bunch of people who ain't never really heard nothing like that. Um, and they improvise like the whole thing. They titled it Call It Something because <laughs> they needed to call it something. Right. So. But there's um there's this shot of Jack DeJanet. He's got his like sticks in his back pocket, I think, and he's walking out on stage and there were like film cameras on the side of the stage because this was a big production. And he makes this face at the camera that's just so cool. It's so nervous and so playful at the same time. He makes this face like it basically said to me, We have no idea what's about to happen, but we brought us. You know, like we brought us and our hearts and our minds and our creativity are about to take the stage. Something's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to sound like. We don't even know what songs we're going to play. We're just going to play for you right now. And that playfulness, that inspired me in, in so many, many, many ways. Um, in fact, I think the next morning I got up and made an EP of really avant-garde in like totally improvised jazz music in my living room with some of my favorite friends mm. i put on a pot of coffee and made some phone calls it said yo like i watched this thing last night and this just that that moment of seeing jack dejanet's face looking into the camera being like i have no idea what's about to happen i'm like i want that i thirst for that yeah so i called some friends who i knew really well people that i had worked on other sessions with Who's, who's playing I could anticipate. Yeah. But whose creative mind, I had no idea what direction we'd go in collectively. And we just like, yeah, drank a bunch of coffee and like maybe some other things. <laughs> and <laughs> and we just recorded a ton of music. And it was that's probably one of my favorite sessions of my career. In my living room on like a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I still talk about it all the time. I still listen to it probably more than any other thing I've recorded. We're going to leave you guys on that because we've been about it for an hour, and that was a great place. Great place oh, I never want to leave at all. I know. I never <laughs> want to leave, too. But, you know, that's the great thing about podcasts. We can come back and record episodes together, Frank. Well, then, um, okay. I'm going to try to wrap it up. Basically, set expectations, then forget about them. Believe in yourself. Because that's the place to start. Sorry, Arthur. And then, uh, yeah, just jam, have fun, and have some good friends. And drink coffee because, you know, it's good for energy. And so. if you, yeah, I would encourage anybody to watch. Like, the, there's a guy named, I think his name is Dom Famularo. Okay. Who does that Sessions panel yeah. Yeah. Um, thing on YouTube where he interviews great drummers. And he did very a, good interview. awesome one with Vinny Cauyuta and another one with Steve Gadd. Watch those. Yeah. Because listening to those guys talk about their experiences in creativity that's i mean i'm still pulling from it even so. if you're not a drummer like i am you're gonna get something out of them because mm -hmm. he goes he goes history of like he gives you history context background and then how they create and like mm -hmm. it's a whole thing it's great it's right. perfect if if you listen to podcasts just go listen they're half hours yeah. like they're not long at all so this is the beauty of what we have available yep. to us now yep. i mean if 20 years ago you wanted to know more about how Picasso worked right. and how where he pulled creativity from, your research would be a lot harder than it is today, yep. too. So don't stop at these drummers that we're talking about right. either. Um, 
if there's an artist that you admire, do your research. Figure out what their process is. Figure out what they're inspired by. Um, and, and just keep doing that research because it's a headspace thing. And the more you can wrap your head around, you know, their process and what inspires them, how they cl- – it's more about clearing the mind than it is filling yeah. the mind. Yeah, exactly. So figure 100%. out what works for you out there. All right, guys. We will see you next time. This has been the Creative Journey Podcast. See you. Later.